Let me pray. Father, thanks for, uh, thank you for today. It's a beautiful day. Um, We are grateful to be alive, grateful to be uh, together, uh, together on the Lord's Day to worship the risen Christ in the power of the Spirit today. Lord, we pray that you would um, instruct us this morning in the Sunday school hour, that you would um, speak to our, our hearts and our, our needs, Lord, that you would uh, help us to think wisely about the world in which we live, to think wisely about how we conduct ourselves in this world. Lord, we need much help. And we pray that you would give much grace to needy, uh, helpless sinners like us. The, uh, the world and all that's in it belongs to you, Christ. So reign over it. Reign in our hearts. Get much glory for yourself this day, this Lord's day. May the... May the the sounds of, of happy voices um, ring out all to the glory of God this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> um, Acts twenty twenty four says that I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of of God. And again, maybe it seems odd to just read it every week over and over again we say it, but it is the it is what we are doing in this class in what we are doing each week as we as we gather and when we when we disperse and go to our homes and our places of work and to our places of play and, and all the things that we do we are running uh, a, a race, as we see in Hebrews 12 that we'll read in a moment. We, are, we have a, a ministry and a course that has been given to us, right? We are stewards. Our lives, our ministries, the things we do are not our own. And so when we talk, as we talk about distractions this morning, um, it's important that we remember that when we find ourselves distracted and Adrift when we are off course, we're not off. Not distracted from our own course. We're not distracted from from our own things, but from God's things. And so it's it's vitally important that we we learn to live um, the undistracted life. And then in Hebrews twelve, right, he says <clears throat> the author there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus has run before us. He has finished his race and now empowers us and enables us to run and to finish ours. And he is now seated at the right hand of God and welcomes us 
to run and to join him as we are cheered on by those who have gone before us. And so, as we think about the, the choices and the circumstances of our lives that can accumulate, can build up, and can lead to burnout for us uh, as we see these, these negative consequences. One of the things, as we kind of begin to wrap up the, the specific focus on the, the digital aspect of, of life, right? We um, will probably, we'll talk about it today, and then I think next week we'll talk a little bit more, and then from there, the rest of the class will kind of move back into, um, it'll be newer topics every week as we think about actual steps to take to, to avoid burnout. But I want to um, spend our time today thinking about the, the, the digital world a bit more, and specifically about the distraction that it offers. Because remember, we're, we're saying two things, um, and in some ways they very much go together, but one, it's very easy to enter into the, the digital world, which we'll pretty much finish up today, and then next week is we'll just talk about how, how hard it is to get out, but that is really prefaced, I think, by this, this thought about distraction. So it's a very distracting world that we live in. Um, James Nestor writes in, um, in a fascinating book um, that, uh, called Breath. It's a book about breathing. It has, nothing, it has very little really to do with the digital world. But in this book, he does say this. He says, up to 80% of office workers, according to one estimate, suffer from something called continuous partial attention. Continuous partial attention. Uh, and I, I think I even uh, mentioned some, I sort of described this a bit last week, right? We'll scan our email, write something down, check Twitter. We'll, we'll do a little bit of work. We'll come back and we'll do it all over again, over and over and over again on repeat, never really focusing on one specific task, right? Um, this is sort of where the kind of, I guess, where the, the idea about multitasking comes in. And, uh, you know, there's some people who will say, you know, Oh, I can multitask or I can. And I think there are, the reality is that we can only do one thing at a time. Now we can, some people are better at switching from one thing to another and back and forth. And some people are better at switching more quickly. Um, But we can only do one thing at a time. And as we switch, the more things that we're switching to and having to focus on, the less effective we are at any of those things. Well, Nestor goes on and he talks about the effect that this state of perpetual distraction has uh, and he, for him, it's, he talks about how it, the effect it can have on our breathing and how it causes our breathing to become shallow and erratic where we don't breathe for a minute and a half or longer at a time. Uh, some have dubbed this email apnea. So um, for us, uh, it's maybe not so much uh, specifically, you know, our, our breathing that, that matters in our are working, but as we consider this state of perpetual distraction, even in light of whatever negative effects it may have on us, I think there's a part of us that likes it, part of us that invites this distraction. Um, 
I have a few things in mind, but what do you guys think? What are what are what might we be trying to distract ourselves from? Yeah, reality. Uh, that's probably like the big overarching answer, right? We're distracting ourselves from reality. Like we, we want, and this is not just with our phones, this, right? The people talk about, you know, we, does people do this with drugs or spending money or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, we're, we're distracting ourselves from reality. And so three things in that reality that I think are kind of rise to the, the fore in some way. We distract, one, we do distract ourselves from work, right? We, we, it, we see the digital as a way to keep work away. And that was sort of what we were just seeing is that you're sitting at a computer, you know, typing something that's work-related, and all of a sudden you find yourself on Facebook or checking, you know, email for the, like, eighth time in an hour, um, even if, though, you're not necessarily expecting some particular email to come in. Um, you're doing that back and forth. So we keep work away. Well, we also use digital distraction to keep people away, right? What, what message do we send to others when you're, when you're buried in, in your phone? Um, you know, if you've ever been in a, which, I don't know, I, I'm not in, like, doc, like, waiting rooms a whole lot, like doctor's offices or whatever. I don't imagine that, I don't know if there was ever really a time that, that there were just lively, vibrant places with people chatting and getting to know one another, but... Definitely, that's definitely not happening now, right? Like, we're buried, we're buried, we're looking in our phones, or we're in line here or there, we're driving, looking at our phones, you know. Um, but we keep people away, and, and probably most practically, where do we feel this? It's in our own homes, right? The, it's that night, the kids are, are in bed, and, and what, you're sitting there, possibly on, on your phone, not talking to to your spouse, and that can happen, you know, maybe that happens often, always, perhaps it's a rarity, maybe it's at dinner, you're getting texts, you're checking your phone, and all of these things, and we're keeping people sort of at arm's length. So we keep work away, we keep people away, and we use digital distractions, thirdly, to keep thoughts of eternity away. And that's maybe that piece that I want to focus on the most this morning. Um, last week, I mentioned a book last week or the week before. Uh, th- um, it's called uh, 12 Ways Your iPhone is Changing You or 12 Ways Your Phone- iPhone is Changing You by Tony Rinke. Well, in that book, he quotes Blaise Pascal who says, I have discovered that all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact. So this is a bold statement, admittedly, but this is what Pascal says. All the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact that they cannot stay uh, they cannot stay quietly in their own chamber. Rinky comments, staring at the ceilings of our quiet bedrooms with our only thoughts about ourselves, reality, and God is unbearable. So, what do you think? What do you think about that? Does that feel is that too much? I think it's 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 a pretty general, you know, it's a very broad statement, right? Admittedly, but is there a, a kernel of truth there? Is it wholly true? Is it does it feel pretty false? What do you think? All the unhappiness of men arises from a single fact: they can't stay quietly in their own chamber. Being left alone with ourselves and with God is unbearable to the human race. 
<laughs> oh, good. Uh, I had asked if all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact, as Pascal said, that we can't stay quietly in our own chamber. Um, and Derek said, not true of some wonderful people among us. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there is a, there's a soothing effect that all the constant noise has in our lives, right? It, it, just, well, it distracts us and it keeps us from thinking about the fact that, well, one day you are going to die. One day you are going to stand before God, give an account for your life, and there is no way around it. And so instead of dealing with that, instead of sitting with that, instead of having to ponder that, we distract ourselves, right? And we're always, it's not, this isn't a new thing that just with phones, you know, people, you know, like we've said, there's, you can distract yourself with good things, you can distract yourself with bad things, and, um, and you can distract yourself with um, objects or people, you can distract yourself with work, but I think that the, the, the world in which you live now is, is poised and cultivated, I think, for the purpose in many ways, it seems, today for distraction. One author puts it this way. He says, we, we think we want peace and silence and freedom and leisure. But deep down, we know that this would be unendurable to us. Right? We pop pills and we ingest Instagram posts. You know, both or one or the other. And... It's largely to avoid the crippling weight of reality. Our impending deaths in particular. Rinky again quotes a guy, Doug Grufius, who said, It's difficult to ser- uh, yeah, serve God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind when we are diverted and distracted in multitasking everything. We are distracted people, and that's a dangerous thing. So let's define distraction. Yeah, Mark. Which uh, speaks a a great word about the benefits of memorizing Scripture. Because if you ever find yourself in a small room that you can't get out of with nothing, not even a Bible, not even a, you know, not even your phone, then, uh, you know, at least if you have the Bible, some bits of the Bible memorized, then you can... You can turn those over in your mind and perhaps not... You go crazy later, not sooner. Yeah, Trisha. Yeah, for sure. I think that's great. Um, yeah, I, that, the, the short-circuiting effect that, uh, that our phones can have uh, is, is really interesting thing to consider. And, you know, the way that it... Uh, like, you know how in um, group conversations you're, you're chatting about something and someone says, oh, well... Oh, you know how um, you know so and so invented whatever, and you're like, that's not who invented that. And then you're like, yeah, no, no, it was, it, it was. And then you're kind of going back and forth, and what do we do now? Like, well, let's just check it, let's just look it up. You know, we'll just Google it, right? There's no, there's no more like dinner table arguing over sort of silly things like that that might not matter. Where you're, 
you do that, we just short circuit the, uh, the experience of, of having to make a point and to think and to dig deep and to argue for something. We just, we just go right for our phones. What's that? Yeah, but, you know, you know, eventually you might get to it. You might not. But it's the, the quick impulse to just immediately go to it. Yeah, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just kind of an interesting observation. Oh, that guy, yeah, that's how you say his name? Never heard, I just saw the name, I just read it, so okay. Yeah, and I think it, it cultivates a, a sense of just a, cult, a, a culture, an atmosphere, uh, you know, you know these, these quick and these answers. I, I remember um, at some point, uh, probably thinking this as a, well, I guess, okay, I'm still a student, but as a, you know, a child, you know, the idea of why do I have to memorize the like these dates or these facts. Why do I need to know these names? And and I think that there is a, a a certain point in which, like my life isn't built on knowing a certain date or a certain fact, right? Like that's not really the point. But and it, because it got it got to a point for me at least where, and I know even people younger than me that was like, well, I don't. Why do I need to know that? I'll just if I need to know that at some point in my life, I'll just Google it. I'll just look it up, right? I don't. I don't need to know that now. But if you don't, if you haven't had that experience of having to learn these things and to learn them in context and to, to see how some of the things fit together, then, then you, it, there is a, a depleted, yeah, the, you know, the, the, a depleted understanding of just the world as it is. And, and then in those conversations where we just, we just run to the Google, run to the, uh, to the Google search, it, the conversation sort of effectively ends there. Right now, it may, may just change topics. It's possible, right? And you keep talking with those people. But there's kind of an interesting, like, oh, well, I guess now that that's done, what's the next thing? Oh, well, now that's done. You know, we just keep, we keep going through. And, and I think that there's, there's something about it that is, um, you know, we don't, we don't realize the effect these things have on us. Some of them definitely bad. Some of them you know, good, some of them perhaps somewhere in the middle, but um, we're not, unintended consequences is kind of the thing that I'm driving at ultimately, but I'm going to, I'm going to make up a statistic on the spot. (laughs) I heard uh, 74, but, um, so it's, I'm making it up, but I do promise that I will go and find the thing that I'm thinking of and report back a better estimate. <laughs> I read in a book uh, by a guy named Matt Perman about, he kind of writes about productivity and things like that. He said the, the amount of information on the internet, I think he said it doubles every, like, three days or something like that. Now, think about how much information is on the internet right now. Apparently, there will be at least, it's somewhere around twice that in three days, something like that. I'll, I'll go and make sure that, that, that maybe you'll, I'll come back and it was like three years and you're like, well, that kind of, you know, that's still a lot, but it sort of lost the point. But it was, whatever it was, it was an insane amount of information 
And so to kind of, uh, at least part of Maggie's point, right, like how much we are being entrusted with and asked to deal with, right? Like, let me think about in uh, political campaigns and elections and just the things that even we're all supposed to have an opinion about and to care about and to have not just an opinion, but to have a, uh, a, a um, educated one. That's a funny word to blank on there, but um, an educated opinion on this and this and this and this, it's, it's, it's exhausting. And so, um, you know, we are, we are inundated with all these things and we're distracted by them. And I think we're distracted from what Maggie was talking about Carl was talking about this idea of like life before God, life with God um, in our minds, in our hearts. And, and so um, the New Testament warns against distraction. And of course, it doesn't warn specifically against uh, like digital distractions or smartphones or anything like that. But just warn against distraction. And the New Testament warnings, um, I think, can, against distraction can generally be boiled down into about three categories. There are distractions that blind the soul to God. So Matthew 13 would be a um, good example of this. Matthew 13, uh, verse 22, right? This is the context of the parable of the sower. He tells the parable of the sower. At the beginning of the chapter, he explains the purpose of parables. And then he explains the parable of the sower. And in verse 22, he says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Right? So the, the, the person who is represented by the thorny soil is one who is distracted from the main thing by the cares of the world. There are cares of the world that have distracted this person and choked out his life and blinded him to to God. There's also distractions that close off communion with God. We already already referenced Luke uh, 10 uh, several weeks ago where Martha is busy, right, with... She's busy... It's serving in many things, right? She's doing a lot of good things, but what is she not doing? She's not communing with God um, in that moment. Mary has chosen the better portion, Jesus says, to sit at the teacher's feet, to listen, and to learn Him, to learn Christ. Martha is, is distracted with much serving. So we're distracted. So distractions blind us to God. They cut us off from God. They cut off communion with God. And then they mute the urgency of God. So, in um, 1 Corinthians 7, Paul writes this. Starting in verse 32, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So, 
Now, he's talking here about um, marriage and in this, the context of the coming persecution and the, the urgency of the day for the Corinthians. But there at the end, right, he, he's, he's writing this because he cares about good order and he wants to secure their undivided devotion to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 7 stresses for us the need of the pursuit of undistraction, right? The point of this passage isn't even, pri- isn't even necessarily primarily about marriage, or at least applications of it wouldn't be necessarily there. But the point is that the timeline of eternity is ticking. For them, it was, there was coming persecution. For us, we, we realize that we're all going to die, and so we need to, we don't need to waste our time, whatever that means. We must be watchful. Now, this doesn't mean that we can or that we should turn back the clock, right? I'm not, and I don't think anyone ought to advocate for some type of, you know, um, obviously not literal time travel, but even, you know, well, it would just, if we just get rid of technology or certain types of technology, then, uh, you know, we can get rid of our indoor plumbing or our AC or we can get rid of the internet or, or whatever, and then we can live our happy, sinless lives and, uh, and go on from there, right? The world is always trying to divide our attention. So we don't turn back. We can't turn back the clock. But we can strive to live as undistracted as possible. And so as we begin sort of wrapping up this morning, I want to I want to offer a few questions. And again, these come from Rinky's book. Um, and I think they're great diagnostic questions. Uh, for exposing how we relate to our phones. So, um, do my smartphone habits expose an underlying addiction to untimely amusements? Do my smartphone habits expose an underlying addiction to untimely amusements? What are, what are untimely amusements? What does that mean? Yeah, yeah, it uh, could, be, could be a right thing, wrong time sort of deal, right? It's, you know, it's fine to watch a movie, but maybe not when you should be tending to your children or you should be writing a sermon or you should be, you know, uh, <laughs> crank, you know cranking out some, uh, you know, some budget sheets or whatever, right? Um, a- am I finding myself distracted, right? And not just like something extreme. And again, it isn't because most of us probably aren't sitting down watching an entire movie in the middle of a work day, you know, leaving things off to the side. But what it is, it is the, it's two minutes here, it's five minutes here, it's three minutes here, right? We are, we're, it's that partial attention not disorder, whatever he called it, something like that, that where we're, partial, we're partially attentive all the time. Um, I quoted that James Nestor book earlier about breathing, and he was talking about how basically we are, um, we spend half our day asleep and half our night awake, right? Um, we're just living in this constant state of never really being fully awake, never really being fully asleep, and uh, and I think that's true, and it's also kind of an analogy for the way that we, we deal with, you know, our smartphones. We're never really 
you know, maybe we're never really fully engrossed in them, or at least we don't think that we are, we don't mean to be, but we're never really that, that far away. Okay, so what are they, so one question to ask yourselves, for us to ask ourselves, is what are my smartphone habits exposed about my, an underlying addiction to untimely amusements? Do you find yourselves regularly pulled away from important stuff for, um, for amusing stuff? A second question, do my smartphone habits reveal a compulsive desire to be seen and affirmed? How do smartphones, how might smartphones um, feed such a desire to be seen and affirmed? Yeah, yeah, as we last, last week, you know, the the... Uh, the adage, I think, therefore I am, has become, I am liked, therefore I am. Um, how, many likes, how many likes does this post get? How many friends do I have on Facebook? How many followers do I have? Um, you know, how many text messages do I get in a day? Um, phone calls, whatever. Uh, so... Three, do my smartphone habits distract me from genuine communion with God? Right? Have you ever... Uh, so one, one of the challenges that I've, I've faced in, uh, like, just Bible reading is um, when you try to read or use, like, an app on your Bible for it, whether it's a Bible app or, or something, it just... One, there, for me, personally, I just, I just feel uh, there's a... It's not the same thing to me, right? To open a, a paper Bible to read it before God at, that is, than it is to, you know, to open up and, you know, the app on my phone. So, no, but you, for you, you might say, well, I don't really, you know, immediately just feel a difference. But, you know, what about, does a text come in? Does, how easy is it to go from whatever the thing is that you're doing there? Like, I'm supposed to be reading this, um, but then, uh, oh, before I got there, so I get like, um, there's, a, there's a, a couple groups they'll do, like it's called Daily Dose of Greek, Daily Dose of Hebrew. So it's the guy, who'll, he makes a video every day where he will basically translate and parse out and all kind of things, a, a, a Greek verse and a, and a Hebrew verse, and it's two guys that do it or whatever. And I always really enjoy kind of watching those videos um, um, we, and there's some devotional aspect to it as well, but one of the difficulties that I have is that because uh, I get an email every day with it, but if I go to check my email to get there, I'm, check, that's the, I'm opening my email up, and then what happens if there's, there's other emails in there that look interesting or that I think I need to get to before I get to the Daily Dose email, and it's just easy to get distracted. So what did my smartphone habits distract me from genuine communion with God? Right, and again, back to the, the way we started. Do I, do I find it difficult to just be alone and to be alone with God, to sit in silence? Um, do my smartphone habits provide an easy escape from sober thinking about my death, the return of Christ, eternal realities? Do my smartphone habits preoccupy me with the pursuit of worldly success? Do my smartphone habits mute the sporadic leading of God's Spirit in my life? 
Do my smart, smartphone habits preoccupy me with dating and romance? Do my smartphone habits build up Christians in my local church? That's an interesting one, right? A lot of, the, you know, a lot of times we're like, what, what does it do for me? But how do my smartphone habits actually build up other people? How do your smartphone habits build up and, uh, you know, strengthen the ministry of Redeemer Baptist Church? Do do my smartphone habits center on what is necessary to me and beneficial to others? Do my smartphone habits disengage me from the needs of the neighbors God has placed right in front of me? So, um, any... Thoughts on, on those questions or, or other questions that, that we might ask, um, kind of as we begin laying the plane here? Sure. Yeah. I think so. I, I think, you know, it, that, you know, we, we, I think that's an experience probably that happens more often than we realize too. Just think I said earlier, like in our own homes, right? What are, like, what do my kids, like, when they see me at home, how often am I doing this? You know? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think that's, a, that's a great one. Um, you know, and, and, and it, it, it takes almost no time at all. I was talking to somebody about this the other day and just how sometimes, you know, when, like, when I, you think, oh, I, I've been praying for this person or I want to check in with this person, and, uh, you know, but I, what, do I, what do I say? What do I tell them? You know? Um, how about just, hey, I just, I just spent 10 minutes praying for you. And that's it, you know, and most of the time you're probably just going to get, like who's, no one's writing back, no one's texting back and saying, would you, would you not do that? Thank you, but I really would appreciate if you just kept my name out of your mouth. Um, but, just, you know, and it's, but it also probably won't lead to some like really massive crazy thing. It's just a, a big encouragement. Yeah, Mark, what's that? Yeah. A uh, question. Yes. Yeah, church members get a, a version of, of Logos because of the faith life connection. I for, forget the precise, because they've got all kinds of... Oh, good, Derek knows. Uh, about 400 titles from Logos that, that we get for, uh, for uh, just, being, just being a member here. You get 400, and that's not all. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I want to, let me let me end with this. So, you don't have to do this, obviously, uh, but it's kind of a homework assignment, and I'd be curious. Uh, we won't. We probably won't even talk much about it next week, um, unless I get a bunch of texts from you guys this week saying you did it and it was wonderful, and then we can. But so um, uh, again, just basically plagiarizing all over the place here from from Rinky's book. He he, he offers this exercise to do. So he says. So it would be once a day, so every day this week, once a day, set your phone down for a moment. Hold out your right hand. So thinking about distraction and the urgency and the importance of life and and the brevity of life and your impending death and all this. is an exercise for that. Hold out your right hand, palm up, fingers to the sky, and imagine the timeline of history reaching uh, a mile to uh, your left. So this is your right, this is my left, but... Timeline of history, right? You're going all the way this way, and a timeline of eternity in the future, just never ending. So a mile back this way is the timeline of history, and infinity that way is is the future. 
your time on earth roughly intersects with the width of your hand, right, as a thought experiment. Nothing puts social media habits, smartphone habits in context like the the blunt reality of our mortality. So once a day, set the phone down, and just for a few moments, a few minutes, take a minute, feel the brevity of your life. Right? Feel the weight of eternity. Don't shirk it off. Don't run from it. Just feel it. And in that, feel fully alive. So there's your homework. Go do that. And, uh, you know, if you do it and you have any uh, profound, uh, you know, thoughts or uh, experiences in that, we can talk about it. But um, a little thing to disengage. Let me pray. Father, thanks for your word. Thank you for um, uh, the time that we have to discuss it, to think about our lives and social media and all that. And we, we pray that you would help us just to be asking questions, to be purposeful in our engagement with them. Um, Lord, as we come together for worship now, we, we pray that it would be pleasing in your sight, that it would minister to us, that our hearts would be moved with love for the triune God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.